Welcome to the Sin of Our Fathers podcast, a podcast where three brothers sit around and talk about football. As you know, nobody chooses to become a Browns fan. We're forced to by our fathers and our father's fathers. This is the man that caused our plight. Oh, for Christ's sake. I haven't, I haven't even seen the paper for three days. No, no kidding. Uh, I don't know. What are they going to do? <laughs> yeah, so the, the latest is that he uh, he got stepped on in practice and he's going to be out for like the first four weeks, I think. Ah, uh, oh, for Christ's sake, I'm telling you. If, 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 if there wasn't bad luck around, there wouldn't be any luck at all, you know. <laughs> How do you well, think the Browns are going to do this year? I think they're going to probably by seven and nine. I think. Wow. I think would be. I, I think that they that they might they might be that good. Why do you think yeah. that? Well, because I think I think that they, they I think that they got it together. I, I think that the, their their quarterback situation is is vastly improved, and uh, and they got they got a, a pretty damn good uh, defensive line. And uh, they they've improved in several places. I, I I have some pretty high hopes for them. So, you you like Kaiser, Grandpa? Tell me, who was your least favorite quarterback in the last ten years? My least favorite. Yeah, or the favorite. Least favorite. Least favorite. Well, that that goes that goes without saying. That was uh, that was Manziel. <laughs> <laughs> Why, why is that? <laughs> well, he so he's he sold them a bill of goods, I'm telling you, and they bought and they bought a hook, line, and sinker. You know, it's just too it's just too damn bad. joined alongside my two brothers, Matthew Kuhn. Hi, guys. How are you doing? And my oldest brother, Michael Kuhn. Hey, everybody. So anyway, we were sitting around one day thinking about how we love to talk about the Browns and how hilarious it is when our grandpa, Shondor, talks about the Browns and how we want to get that message out to everyone who could possibly listen to it. So we just well, I think we were talking about actually just starting a podcast and talking about the Browns. And I'm not sure any of us thought it was actually a decent idea until we realized that we could bring Shondor onto the podcast. <laughs> and that sealed the deal. He still doesn't know that he's on a podcast. <laughs> yes, that is the best part. We just called him today, Matthew and I did, and just talked to him a little bit about the Browns. It's so easy to get him riled up. Yeah, we figure if he knew he was on a podcast, it might not work the same way. So we decided to start a podcast, and here we are talking about it. We we hope that you enjoy it. This is the first one, and we're going to be releasing one every week after the game of just us, three brothers, sitting around talking about football, doing what we love to do, talk about the Browns. So the first order of business is... I think we all wanted to talk about our favorite Browns memory because unfortunately so, we've been Browns fans for a very long time. Uh, Ever since I can remember on Sundays, I've watched the Browns games with 
Michael and Matthew and my dad. And I was thinking about this. So many awful memories flooded my mind. But I've, I've kind of found myself in this place where I've started to enjoy the misery, started to find it hilarious because Fair. I think that my favorite Browns memory is last season, the Monday night game against Baltimore, when I knew that the entire country was watching and it was our one chance to prove that the Browns weren't a joke. And we were, what were we up by? We were down by two and we were in Wait, field. Wait, is this the game, is this the game where... We had Kessler in the first half, and he played pretty decent. And then Hugh pulled him at halftime and put McCown in. Yeah, I think so. It was against the Ravens. It was like week three or something like that. Anyway, yeah, that's the game. Yeah, it was the Monday night game. And I was just so happy that we weren't getting blown out by the Ravens. And we, we got into a position to kick a field goal at the very end of the game, down by two, and it got blocked scooped up and returned for a touchdown with zero seconds left on the clock. And I just, I can't even, I couldn't even believe it happened. I, I honestly was crying. It only laughing. happens to Browns fans. I was crying laughing because it was so pitifully awful that I was actually glad that people around the country could see what it's like to be a Browns fan. No, we weren't down by two. We were tied. We were tied. It was going to go into overtime and we were going to kick a field goal to win the game. And but so it was, but we, so it was either we we're going to go into overtime or we were going to win. Those in my head, those were the only two options. Like that, I was so optimistic about that game, so excited, and then it got blocked, and I thought there's no chance. I was like, no way, no way is this going to get returned all the way back to the end zone. Sure enough, it did, um, and I, I thought that was hilarious because it was so Browns. Anyway, that's my sad favorite Browns memory. But what's your guys's, Matthew? I just can't get out of my head. I forget what year it was. It was probably 2005, 2006, something like that. The Dwayne Rudd helmet throw. First oh, game of the season. You know, you've always got that um, optimism on the first game. And we came out, and we were playing the Chiefs, and we played great. And we were in line to win the game. And in every respect but reality, we did win that game. And <laughs> it, it's a similar thing to what you said. It's one of those times where the rest of the country can see what it's like to be a Browns fan when you have the game won, but no, there's an untimed play and they've moved far, far enough down the field. There was an offensive lineman carrying the ball down the field to get them into field goal range to kick that game-winning field goal. Week in and week out, creatively, we lose games. I definitively remember watching that game in the same living room that my favorite memory came from. So as a... As a Browns fan, I, we, we, we win so few games by dramatic fashion that in the rare times that it actually happens, there's uh, it incites pandemonium. Like I, I think that there was about four or five times where we've won a game near the end of the game where you, you guys both, myself and dad, all jumped up, hugging each other, jumping up and down. The most recent one I remember was the Chargers game last year. When, oh, my gosh. Oh, of course. When the pierogi prince of Parma. Uh, <laughs> Shout out to Jamie blocked, Meter. Jamie Meter blocked the field goal to, to win us our only game of the 2016 season. A local So that hero. was the most recent one. But the first time I remember this happening is probably my best Browns memory was when we came back in 1999, which is – as far back, really, as I can remember as a Browns fan, because I was just a wee 
child whenever we watched the team before they they had to go away for a little while. You remember when they left? Cause oh, you, I remember yeah. when they I remember them playing beforehand, and I remember Dad going to the last game in 1995 and everything. How old are you, Michael? <laughs> old enough to have very little hair still on my head. Yeah, true, same, but I'm not that old. <laughs> uh, I do remember before 1995, but not that well. So 99 was kind of the banner year where my Browns fandom was born. And uh, we were seven games in at this point. Tim Couch to Kevin Johnson, Hail Mary to win the game. I'd never experienced a Browns win really in my life, and that was about as dramatic as you could draw it up. I remember jumping up and down with Dad and Matthew at the very least. Mark was probably too little to actually uh, know what was going on. I didn't like football when I was little. It was, a, <laughs> it was an acquired taste. It was the worst decision of my, of my life, being a Browns fan. It's kind of like... It's kind of like beer. You don't know why anybody likes it, and then all of a sudden, you after a bunch of exposure, it just kind of becomes ingrained. Yeah, and now I'm an alcoholic and ruining all my relationships because of how much I love the Browns. Exactly. That, that, I mean, that aren't, analogy. Aren't the two connected? Yeah. <laughs> they really are. Honestly, the reason why I drink this week is because of Miles Garrett's ankle injury. Like that, <laughs> that is just the most Browns thing I've ever heard. First. Out for the first four weeks, right? That's what it's going to be. At, at least, least, I think. At least. Standard high ankle sprain is four to six week recovery. We'll see. I think the good news is is um, he had a similar injury his senior year of college and missed two games and played through it. Um, it seemed so, to impact his performance a little bit, but I think he's got a high pain tolerance. And so, but what do you? What would you rather? Would you rather him? miss two weeks and then play through it or miss four weeks and be a hundred percent whenever he's back. I kind of feel like you want him at a hundred percent whenever he's back. Yeah. I don't want to lose this guy for the rest of his career to a high ankle sprain. So I say we wait it out. Yeah. We don't want to have another Courtney Brown on our situation. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> Let's not bring up those bad memories. Um, so each, each week on the pod, we're going to be talking about the previous week. And we are going to be just doing a recap of the game and uh, look forward to our next week's opponent. We've been spitballing a little bit about different segments that we wanted on the show. Uh, One of those segments is the reason why we drink. And I think that we're going to be drinking beers while we do this podcast every week because it's just a couple of brothers hanging out. Um, So I don't see why we shouldn't be doing that. But we'll also talk about um, the divisional opponents. Matthew, didn't you say... You wanted to talk about the divisional opponents each week? Yeah, I mean, the, the fact is we play these teams um, twice every year, and if the Browns are ever going to get better, um, these are the teams that we have to, to match up against. Um, so I think we'll break down. Um, each week we'll come in and we'll, we'll have a little recap of how the division's looking, um, how the division opponents are looking. I think we'll probably spend more time on the, the upcoming opponents um, and we'll we'll go from there. So it should give us a little preview, kind of where the Browns are stacking up against um, not the rest of the league, but the division, because that's what really matters. Yeah, if we're just better than the Steelers, the Bengals, and the Ravens, we'll finally make the playoffs. I I want to be candid here. I'm not that old, but I've still never seen the Browns in the playoffs. I think I was <laughs> I think I was three when the Browns actually were in the playoffs last. Two thousand three. You were a little older than that. Well, anyway, it's semantics at this point. It doesn't matter. I don't remember it. 
and it upsets me. Go ahead, Michael. Do you know who the Browns coach was when we were in the playoffs? It's probably I do. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I would rather this, not embarrass myself on the, the first podcast. The current, the current head coach of Florida coach. International University, True Butch story. Davis. Butch Davis. The Butch. The Butch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so we're going to talk about our divisional opponents each week and just get, uh, just for our own edification, just study into them a little bit more and give you guys a, a breakdown of how they're looking, injury reports and stuff like that their games week to week we're gonna watch their games and then we're gonna be talking bets michael yeah so just thinking we're competing against each other on everything if we're hanging out if we're playing a board game or anything else so let's get a little competition going and we figured we'd pull out a few games each week and just pick the games relative to the lines and uh kind of go from there and so what we're thinking is three games each week. Obviously, we're going to pick the Browns game. And then the other two will probably be the primetime games uh, of the week. So Thursday night football and Sunday night football. Um, we figure everybody's watching them anyway, so let's talk about them. And uh, we'll keep a running tally throughout the season and see. Uh, see where we land matthew was expressing quite a bit of confidence in his ability to beat both of us in this particular exercise well yeah. I'm, I'm fairly certain that i'm the most intelligent of the three of us so i think i can put that together <laughs> so it'll make it work literally matthew well, just well, went to law school and he's got the <laughs> biggest head he actually physically has the biggest head i've ever seen like, it's, it's not just arrogance true story uh, <laughs> Biggest head by far, and we'll just let the results speak for themselves. How's that sound? Yeah, sounds good to me. I was saying that I've got really good intuition. I'm just, I'm going to go with my gut feelings. And we're going to pick this Kansas City-New England game, which I'm currently watching. New England's winning by 17. So my gut says that I'm going to (laughs) pick New England to win that game. All right, the line is nine. So you're going to pick New England to cover? I'm going to pick New England to cover that, for sure. All right, Matthew, what is your pick? Kansas City at New England Thursday night, first game of the year. New you know, England to cover? No, you know I made this pick before before the game started. I I think Kansas City's gonna keep it keep it within nine. Okay. Dumb. Interestingly enough, um, I feel similar to you, Matthew, even though it doesn't look great based on the current score. Um, I had picked Kansas City in advance of the game. I just think they're too solid well-coached. Andy Reid's bound to make a bad decision uh, with clock management at the end of the game, but that's not going to keep them from covering the nine points here. So I think that they will, uh, they'll cover that one. Great. Glad to start off one ahead of y'all. There we go. So moving on to Sunday night, we got the Giants heading into Dallas, keeping in mind that the judge was kind and is allowing Ezekiel Elliott to play this week. So Dallas is favored uh, by four points in this game. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to take Dallas. I mean, the fact that they have Ezekiel Elliott playing for, for this week, we'll see how long he plays um, after that. And I don't really buy the Giants. Their offensive line is terrible. They've got three good wide receivers, but if Eli Manning doesn't have any time to throw to him, um, I, just don't, I just don't see how they put it together. They've got no running game. Um, I got the Cowboys here. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree. I'm going to have to agree. I'm going with the Cowboys. It's really fun to make fun of Eric Flowers 
and I'm just going to go ahead and do that. Eric Flowers is awful. He's worse than Cam Irving, and he's still starting. <laughs> like that, and that's saying something. I predict at least two blindside sacks of um, Eli Manning in this game. And yeah, the Cowboys. I think they're they're going to cover that for sure. Wait, yeah. is Cam Irving playing in this game right now? Uh, I was Chiefs? just about to ask that same question. <laughs> we need to keep an eye out. Does anyone know what Cam Ir- what number Cam Irving is wearing? Is he I coming have... in in any like jumbo packages for Kansas City? I, I would love to see if... him fall on his ass. <laughs> if we see Alex Smith getting sacked, just look up because it's probably Cam Irving. <laughs> Honestly, I haven't had such a good laugh as whenever we got a fifth-round pick for Cam Irving. That is, <laughs> he is not worth anything. Anything. Uh, what was a better trade for the Browns? A sixth-round pick for Justin Gilbert or a fifth-round pick for Cam Irving? Oh, that's a good question. It's got to be the fifth-round pick. Think- they were both equally useless. <laughs> I have to agree. It's pretty, it's pretty hard to measure their futility. Um, and so we're just going to have to go with whichever one garnered the better pick. Fair enough. All right, Michael, who you got? I Cowboys Giants. Pick. So here's the thing. I, looking at this game, it's like it's strength against strength. The Giants' D is the only thing they have to hang their hat on, in my opinion. True. And Dallas's offense and their offensive line is the only thing that they have going for them. So I have no idea what to expect with Dallas's defense. Mark, you think that there's going to be two blindside sacks of Eli Manning, which I don't disagree if you're looking through the lens of Eric Flowers and how terrible he is. But literally, the Cowboys do who's going to do it for the Cowboys that can get to Eli Manning. So, well, not one that's not suspended. <laughs> good point. So I went back and forth on this one. I think I'm going to just take advantage of the fact that you guys are both going for Dallas, and I'm going to side with the New York Giants. Giants plus the points. Yeah. So uh, I think the Giants plus the points is the bet for me. We'll see. I, I think it's pretty darn close. But, um, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna pick the Giants defense to come out on top on that strength versus strength matchup. Which brings us to the most exciting part of our week, Pittsburgh Steelers visiting the Cleveland Browns. Hey-o. Pittsburgh favored to win by nine and a half, Oof. which is uh, really not, Jeez. not make, giving the Browns any sort of, uh, yeah, I don't think they anybody in Vegas thinks highly of the Cleveland Browns. I don't think highly of the Cleveland Browns. So, <laughs> Yeah, why would Vegas yeah. care? So... Do we have any chance of uh, coming within 10 points of the Steelers? No. <laughs> that is my pick. I pick so the Steelers. So, question. Would it be possible for us to come within 10 points of the Steelers? Maybe in the, in the first... Miles Garrett. Well, we'll be within 10 points in, like, the first two minutes of the game. But after that, <laughs> it just won't even... By the time the game over, when the clock hits zero, we will have lost by more than 10 points. All right, so, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you how how we're within ten points of the Steelers. I'm I think I'm gonna actually take the Browns plus the points because nine and a half is a huge spread. Um, I think Greg Williams makes a huge difference. I I think his defense and the ability to create turnovers, uh, are, even without Miles Garrett, I think our defensive line is so improved from from last season. If if for no other reason but just the scheme that we run, I think we'll be able to get some pressure on Big Ben. Um, and our offensive line has improved such that I think if we can run the football and control the clock a little bit um, and get any points on the board, that we can keep it 
within 10 points. I, I don't think the Browns are favorites to win this game by any means, but I'll take Browns plus the points. Here's the thing. is I, I think that our defense looked amazing. We allowed the fewest points in the preseason of any team in the NFL, and that's great. I'm super excited for what Greg Williams is doing. But I think with Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell and Big Ben. And Martavis Bryant. And Martavis Bryant, who's actually trying this year, said went on records, <laughs> said that he's actually going to try in football this year. Which yeah, is, he's, he's working out for the first time ever. Which implies that he's never tried, which is terrifying. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to say that our secondary is not good enough to keep Antonio Brown in check. They're going to get at least a few breakaway touchdowns, and our offense is so bad that we won't be able to score. I don't think that we're going to be able to – I think our defense is – vastly improved and it'll be a great improvement from last week or last year but they're our secondary is just not good enough to keep them in check okay so here's my take as the optimistic brown fan that browns fan that i've trained myself to be i want to believe the bill of goods that you're trying to sell me matthew i want to believe i want to believe that the offensive line is going to make the difference i want to believe that isaiah crow is going to run for 150 yards that's true and that the ball is not going to be turned over by our rookie quarterback starting his first game in the nfl more than one time i just can't get past the rational part of me that knows what this looks like when we play the Steelers twice every single year and can never beat them. And I just think it's too much to ask of Deshaun Kaiser to come in and beat a team like the Steelers. They're just too well-coached, too well-prepared. Um, I do think we'll hang with them, but at the end of the day, I think that they'll, uh, they'll beat us by more than the nine and a half. So I'm going to take the Steelers, um, <laughs> even though the Browns are getting nine and a half points. All right, so let's talk about the preseason. The Browns are 4-0. This is honestly the most yeah, optimistic. Baby. Yeah, this is the preseason champs, 2017. This is the most optimistic I've been about the Browns in a very long time. I'm excited about our rookies. I'm looking at the other teams that went undefeated in the preseason, and I'm seeing us matching up against the Seahawks in the Super Bowl this year. Percent chance? <laughs> uh, we- we can dream at least for a week, right? <laughs> so, I mean, we, but really, our defense looked really, really good. On paper, we allowed the least amount of points throughout the entire preseason, which is huge. Yeah. You know I, what? Honestly, as I think about that, I think that the defense holding them, at, when I first heard, heard that stat, I was like, what does that really mean? They're just playing against the scrubs. But I think it shows for the first time that we actually have some depth on this team which like we've just never had. And if you think about preseasons past, we've had we've held our own with the starters and I've always felt okay and that's how I've justified the fact that we lose every single preseason game that we're in. But now we're out there and even the backups and the third string and the fourth string guys are holding their own. And if we have that kind of depth and we could withstand a couple of injuries like we're seeing with Miles Garrett and a few others, then I think we're going to be in a lot better shape over the course of the whole season. In the past, we just haven't had the depth to withstand that sort of stuff. So that that's the only positive I'm really taking out of the 4-0 is just that we've actually got some players behind those starters. I mean, we should have the depth. After the last two drafts, we've had 12 draft picks, and I, I think most of them are still around just about. Um, the only caveat I would give is that we may have given up the least amount of points, but we got lucky on some things. We got a, 
I mean, to to our defense's credit, we had a goal line stand um, that pick on Jameis Winston from Jabril Peppers. Um, I, I believe there were another a couple other turnovers or f- um, fourth down stops that were in like game situations where the team um, would have scored otherwise had they not decided to go for it. I think that we kind of got a little lucky, but our defense has definitely improved from what it was last year. I just don't think it maybe is quite as good as we saw this preseason. Yeah, well, I mean, when have we ever seen the Browns make a, a four-down stand at the goal line like they did in the first preseason game? Like I, well, here's the thing. So the, the, the preseason game actually matters for the Browns, and it doesn't matter for any other teams. So Greg Williams is actually calling blitzes and, like, uh, some like actual defensive looks that he's going to call during the regular season when everyone else is calling a completely vanilla scheme. So I think we're, that gave us a little bit of an advantage, but hey, we need the confidence. I want to see the team winning. I think that's what they needed to do. I'm glad that Hugh put an emphasis on winning some games to give them some positive momentum. I'm all for it. I'm excited. We might win more than one game this year. I mean, we went 0-4 in the preseason last year, so I'll, I'll take 4-0 over 0-4. I'll take 4-0 over 0-4, but we should keep in mind that the year that the Detroit Lions went defeated, they also went 4-0 in the preseason. So I hope that's not our fate. I really do. All right, so let's talk about the rookies for a second. Like, yeah. We got to see a lot of them. I think the coaches did a really good job of playing a lot of those guys for extended time. The obvious heartache is coming in with the recent news of miles garrett going down with his high ankle sprain but is anyone disappointed that we took miles garrett with the first overall pick no no one is disappointed no no one can even make fun of the browns for doing that that's my favorite thing about the pick i mean there was there was a lot of chatter before the draft that we were going to go in a different direction but I think at the end of the day, it was um, a smokescreen. It was bullshit. Like, nobody nobody in their right mind. There's not a single GM in the NFL who would have taken anybody but Miles Garrett in this draft. Right now, knowing what you know now, would you have taken Trubisky or done anything different whatsoever? With how good Trubisky's looked in the preseason. No, I'd take Deshaun Kaiser at 52 versus Trubisky at, <laughs> at three? one or two or two, every single whatever day it was. of the week. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I saw I saw a mock draft. This is right after uh, the real draft happened, but it was a mock draft from like it was like one of those way too early mock drafts of like at the beginning of the college football season last year, and it yeah. had the first three picks of the draft were Deshaun Kaiser, Miles Garrett, and Jabril Peppers, who are all three playing on our roster right now, which is just it makes me <laughs> so happy. That is amazing. Uh, I will say that. So that's the next rookie um, I wanted to talk about was Peppers. Because I know you guys were both pretty excited about Peppers, and I kind of went, I kind of wavered. I went back and forth on him throughout the entire draft process. And at the end of the day, I think I fell in line with a lot of the draft experts, wondering whether he actually had a position and whether there was anywhere that he could succeed and be elite on an NFL football field. But I think I'm feeling a lot better about that after what I've seen on the field so far. I think nobody suspected that he would be playing free safety and he's out there strong safety strong safety strong safety safety in air quotation marks but he's playing a free safety on the field yeah but that's not the way that greg williams has been employing it out there i mean everyone said he'd be playing strong safety maybe playing linebacker but he's playing free safety out there as the single high safety in a lot of these packages for greg williams and he's flying to the ball yeah, you've seen it from training camp too. A couple, 
most of the highlights that I remember watching from training camp is Jabril hitting people on the sideline that are trying to catch a pass. I'm very excited about him, seeing him in special teams. We haven't had that since Josh Cribbs. To be excited when a kickoff return happens or a punt return happens is something that I don't remember. Yeah, I think for all the um, worry about him not having a position, he came into the league um, with the exact right defensive coordinator. I mean, there's there's maybe a few others um, in the league who could be fluid enough and flexible enough to, to work around the, the personnel that he's got. And I think, uh, I think we've got the guy, Greg Williams. Yeah, well, I think Greg wanted him really, really bad because he fits in the scheme of being able to come up and play linebacker, being able to stay back and dash around. He's so fast that he can play free safety, but he only played linebacker at Michigan pretty much his senior year. Yeah, he came in as a corner, and then he, yeah. he was hurt his freshman year, played corner, and then played linebacker, which is insane. That's just a good skill set to have in a, in a Greg Williams offense because he likes to be flexible and play players in different places that the offense isn't expecting. Yeah, you said Greg Williams was excited to have Jabril Peppers. <laughs> have you seen that video of our uh, special teams coach, Chris Tabor, jumping yes. up and down, running through the freaking halls of Browns headquarters whenever we drafted Jabril Peppers? It was like uh, unlike anything I've ever seen. I love um, it. So it's there's definitely excitement. I I'm bought in. I'm in. I mean, you, you, I don't, do I don't blame him. You you saw the, who was returning kicks for us last year, like Mario it was, Alford. Yeah, it was like an automatic. <laughs> it was an automatic like ten yard return, and that was it. And we started in terrible field position because we had nobody back there who could uh, pose any threat to the the kicking team. Okay, so then the last. The last rookie, I think, that warrants – well, I guess we got two more. we got to talk about uh, Njoku next. Yeah. By the way, is it David Njoku no. or David Njoku? It's Njoku. Have we figured that out yet? Njoku. I think it's more the first one than the second one. So it's Njoku. But it's not – It's not. It's but, it, but it's Njoku. Not, it, it kind of merged together. It's like the, the N and the J make one sound, Njoku. I don't know. All these announcers keep saying Njoku. Yeah, well, and that's, I, I really don't know. I don't really know what's what's right. Well, I don't know either, but I'm going to speak definitively that it's Njoku. Okay, that's what we're going to say on this podcast. Njoku. Uh, this week, I, we, <laughs> is there much to say about this individual, David Njoku? I'm conflicted on him. I'm I'm kind of worried about him. I'm, obviously, his athleticism is undeniable. I mean, you saw the highlights from University of Miami, and he's I'm physically just far and away like enough of an athlete to compete in the NFL. I think he's way behind as far as his understanding of scheme and uh, his blocking ability. And so I think if we Browns got pretty lucky on injuries so far this preseason, but if there was one injury that kind of had an effect, it was him missing a lot of, uh, I think he missed some mini camp um, and maybe even some training camp. He missed the uh, first two games. Yeah, the first he? two preseason games. And getting those reps in practice, especially, but also in the game, because um, he's a little bit behind. I I don't expect a whole lot from him. Um, give him about eight weeks, I think, and then we'll we'll be able to determine what he's going to be. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm excited about him athletically, but I, I agree with you. I don't think he's there mentally yet, and maybe it's a part of him not being involved in – uh, in the preseason games and whatnot. So my thing with Njoku is if I watch him out there, you're right, man. There's, nobody's doubting the fact that he has the athletic ability. But 
he doesn't seem like it's clear that he's not a blocker. I think we all knew that, that he was going to have to grow into that ability to block and stay in line as a traditional tight end. But I think everybody expected that he'd be able to go out there from day one and be a really significant difference maker in the passing game. And from everything that I've seen in the preseason, I don't see a natural pass catcher. I see an athlete that can get open downfield, but then it's a toss-up as to whether he's actually going to come down with the ball or not, whether it's a good pass or not. So that's kind of what concerns me is I just don't see a guy that can really do either two of the tight end, the main tight end functions well. I don't see a guy that can block, and I'm not sure that he's a real great pass catcher at this point either. And so I, I'm a little concerned about what that's going to look like. There's going to be a few big plays, I think, for sure, that will get us excited and give us a taste of what he could become. Um, but I think we're just going to have to be patient. Yeah, I, I think that it is just going to require patience. Because you go back and you look at the Miami games. I was watching one the other day, and he's not lined up in as a tight end. He's out there in the slot. Like It's going to take him a while to adjust to lining up in a three-point stance and blocking a defensive end so that we can run the ball outside like that he's just not even close to that yet um to to me it looks like he's uh not caught up to the speed of the nfl i mean even when he gets the ball in his hands on a screen it seems to me like he's like processing like he's he's not just reacting to it he's like there's a lot going on still and he hasn't caught up to it um i think that'll get better with the reps but right now he's he's just not there and i'd i'll go with seth the valve and and telfer to to block and be the tight end while he comes along yeah for sure but i think he will come along and i trust our coaching staff and that leads us to uh the most important rookie and i'm sure the one that we're all most excited about is deshaun kaiser he won the starting i'm most excited about miles garrett okay all right that's no Denying my excitement. I'm, I'm with Michael Garrett. on this one. I don't care about Deshaun Kaiser. All right. Well, if, if Deshaun Kaiser turns out to be our franchise quarterback, we have this on record, and I'm going to go ahead and say that you guys are idiots. But I, I don't know that that's <laughs> I don't know that that's the case. I, I probably am um, more excited for Miles Garrett, but I'm more hopeful and unrealistically optimistic for Deshaun Kaiser. Um, As a Browns fan, being unrealistically optimistic is part of your DNA. So I will allow allow you to be uh overly optimistic it's a coping mechanism really it really is so there's one thing that michael over here likes to say all the time and that is that deshaun kaiser has undeniable arm talent (laughs) all right chris i said it one time (laughs) for the record i said it one time (laughs) in a text message and i don't think i'm ever gonna live it i'll never forget mike mayaki um and i'll admit that uh but it's true that he can throw the ball quite a bit better than I can and quite a bit better than anyone. <laughs> I'm going to tweet a video of Michael throwing a football just to just to let everybody know that that's not a high bar. Fair. So not only can he throw it better than me, but he can throw it better than just about any Browns quarterback I've seen stand behind uh, that Browns offensive line. So – I'm optimistic on that side, and uh, if he turns into something, I will be the first one in line to be cheering for Deshaun Kaiser. Can't wait. I think Kaiser has some things that are 
um, tough to find in a rookie quarterback as far as if you look at his movement in the pocket and his pocket presence, he's able to keep his eyes downfield and move in the pocket away from the pressure, which helps his offensive line. If you need an image of who does this terribly, it's Cody Kessler. Cody Kessler stands in the pocket and stands in one spot and then takes the sack. Deshaun Kaiser is able know. to move. Um, he's able to move laterally, take the little tiny steps to get out of the way, keep his feet balanced, and make the throw. The question is his accuracy going forward. But I think he's got those um, – he's not the same player by any means, but the same qualities as far as movement in the pocket that make Aaron Rodgers so good, I think Kaiser has that more than any of the rookie quarterbacks. So I, you say that Kessler doesn't have the ability to move around the pocket, and I would, I would argue that point. I think Kessler – has a very good sense of awareness in the pocket and can move. Is he just he masochistic? Just he just stands there and just takes the sack for the hell of it? He just – his preseason has looked terrible. But I remember him plug coming in last season, and that's the only thing I was talking about. It's like he at least has pocket awareness. Like he holds on to the ball too long, but at least he's um, moving around the pocket and has an awareness of what's going on around him. With Kaiser, the big difference is, is that once he's moving around the pocket – when he's on the run, he has the ability to make so many more throws than a Cody Kessler can because he has arm talent. <laughs> and there it is, ladies and gentlemen, the second reference. All right, I'll uh, try to retire that one for now. But, I mean, all you have to do is look at that throw that he made the other day against the Bucks as he's stepping up again. To Corey Coleman down the sideline? Yeah. I mean, have the Browns ever had a quarterback – since 1999, that can make that play. I no, we think I maybe Johnny Manziel. I don't think he can make that throw though. He had the ability to, but he didn't have. That was on a else. rope. Yeah, it wasn't that good. He couldn't Anyways, do it though. Anyway, if I, I see so, a couple. If I see a couple of throws like that every game, I'm willing to keep him in as the starting quarterback. Yeah, I like. Cody Kessler a lot and I want to talk a little bit about where do we think his role will be in the Browns going forward because I don't want to get rid of Kessler I love I think he's the quintessential backup quarterback someone that can move the ball someone that doesn't throw interceptions as for, for a rookie quarterback to only throw how many interceptions did he throw last year two three what was he it he definitely protects the ball but he also doesn't win games so uh, that but he doesn't like lose them either to me. <laughs> um I, I agree. I don't. I definitely don't want them to drop him, especially since he's on a rookie deal. Um, it would make zero sense for them to drop him. And I think we heard news today that they dropped that fourth quarterback from Liberty. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. that fourth quarterback. So, Wood. He's not Woodruff. It's something else. I, I never bothered to learn his name. I figured he wasn't. He went to around Liberty, yeah, and he's no longer on the Cleveland Browns. I think uh, he he played for the Ravens. For a while this offseason so i think we were just trying to milk a little knowledge yeah that's what the Steelers are doing to us with joe hayden yeah don't that, bring that up that three-year deal they're gonna cut him did you actually cry michael um i almost did i would all right michael cried I... let it be known <laughs> let it be on record that a grown man michael coon cried when we dropped joe hayden i almost did you want to hear a funny story about that i don't think i've told you guys this so one of my friends from work who happens to be a Cleveland Browns fan is from Cleveland. He called me the other morning and 
which was out of the blue, like we grabbed lunch every once in a while, but that's about it, to tell me specifically that Joe Hayden had been dropped. That's a good friend. And it's a very good friend. Yeah. And the reason he called me, because he knew how much I cared about Joe Hayden. <laughs> I've, been cheering for, I've been cheering for the guy since he stepped on the field as a true freshman at University of Florida when I was there. That and was like 2007, of, right? Here's, yeah, here's the thing. How many Browns first-round picks have actually been successful? He's on the very, 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 very short list. One, So I've two. watched this guy forever. And, uh, They're both he, named Joe. He Anyways, he called me, and I was getting the kids ready, and I had to take my oldest daughter to school that morning, and I was just venting, and I was telling her on the way to school. I was like, you know, I'm kind of sad. Isn't your daughter wait, five? Wait, 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 wait. Venting to wait, your five-year-old about the Browns? Yes, she's five, and I was venting. <laughs> Any more clarification? Well, needed? you're just gonna make her hate the Browns already, just right from well, the beginning. You, know what? you were telling her that the Browns are bringing you sadness, which isn't a lie, but she has to understand the full range of emotions that it takes to be a Browns fan. And um, I was, I was taking her through the ringer, but more so, I was just venting. I was just, I literally was sad. And so I told her that I was sad that my favorite player on the Cleveland Browns, which actually isn't true because I think Joe Hay- or because Joe Thomas is my favorite player, but over my second favorite player for sure on the Browns just got traded and he's not going to be on the team anymore. And I really didn't think she was paying attention because she didn't say anything. And then like 10 seconds later, she goes, Daddy, I'm sad for you. That stinks that your favorite player just got traded from the Browns. And I said, all right, we're raising up another Browns fan. This is a good thing. Yeah, so let's talk about, so the name of our podcast is The Sin of Our Fathers. And you are resentful about what our father did to you. But yet you're doing the same thing to your children. Tell me a little bit about that, Michael. (laughs) I wouldn't say that I'm resentful. I would just... I would say that we're setting ourselves up for a glorious celebration when the Browns finally win a Super Bowl. True. And I'm trying to bring my children into that um, same glorious celebration. Yeah, I will weep. Oh, we'll be there. We'll be there. We'll all weep together. Um, all right, so, Michael, you, you seem to be um, pretty high on Kaiser and obviously the rest of the rookies. Um, how do you think the Browns are going to do this year? All right, so we're going to go around – make record predictions is that what we're thinking yeah we'll start with you okay so i went through the schedule about a week ago and i was starting to get really excited especially as i looked at the first portion of our schedule because things are kind of breaking our way i as i stated already don't think we have a great chance against the steelers but after that the ravens are trotting out a hobbling joe flacco the Colts probably aren't going to have Andrew Luck. We play the Bengals. Who knows what happens there? And then we play the Jets. I have to believe that we're going to beat the Jets. So that in the first five games, I see at least two wins, maybe three, and potentially sitting at a winning record going to visit the Texans in week six. So anyways, I was painting this glorious picture as an optimistic Browns fan. And then I found out uh, yesterday that Miles Garrett's hurt, and I think all that went in the can. So I think I had talked myself into six or seven wins a few days ago, and now I'm looking at four or five. Vegas has us at four and a half. I'm going to go with five and 11. 
as the final record for the Cleveland Browns in 2017. Okay, that's fair. I, uh, I've been thinking about this. If, the, if there's one game that I want to win, it's that Texans game. If we win that Texans game and the Texans are bad this year, I will be so excited. If we get a top five pick from them and Deshaun Watson just lays an egg week after week and we get to the top of the draft from their pick in the first and second round, I'll be ecstatic. If we go 1-15 and 15 and we just win that game, I might be happy. But realistically, I was going to say that we were going to go 5-11. and 11. But since you chose 5-11, and 11, I'm going to say 6-10. and 6-10. Optimism abounds. Yeah. I, I love the Browns. Go Browns. Yeah, I'm looking at the schedule. I like what we've got. I mean, you touched on it. The Ravens, I think, are beatable. They've got a great defense, but their offense is going to struggle. Um, I think i got to go 6-10. and 10. We've got the Jaguars on our schedule, the Jets. I don't buy the Texans. Um, a lot of people are saying the Texans might win the AFC South. I think it's more likely that they go six and ten than, no, no than win the AFC South. Deshaun Watson's an interception machine. Uh, yeah, if he's even playing, um, he might not even see Tom Savage is their starting quarterback right now. So, um, and then we get to play the Bears. The Bears are awful. Um, so the Bears, Jaguars, and Jets, I think, are three teams that we can beat fairly easily in the NFL. You always win a, a game that you're not expecting. Um, I I'm gonna put the Browns optimistically at six and ten. All right, well, so that's, that's so that's pretty solid. So six and ten. Where where are we gonna be drafting at six and ten? We're gonna be in the eight nine ten range. Yeah, uh, that works for me. From the Browns pick, yeah, and hopefully the Texans pick too. We'll we'll be, be even higher be right about there. Uh, actually, I like Grandpa it. picked in our earlier phone conversation. Grandpa picked nine and seven, so he's actually. Even this is the most out seven and nine, seven and nine. Or, I think. Yeah, he, sorry. He wasn't yeah, quite you know, you're right. Not quite that obvious. Seven and nine, but it is amazing to me that Grandpa is more optimistic about the Brown season than we are. <sighs> Has that ever happened before? I, I really don't think so. The, After it, 85 years, he's yeah, still <laughs> the eternal pit of pessimism that is Grandpa. I'm amazed that he picked seven and nine. Uh, I'm I'm quite confident his tune is going to change throughout the season, but uh, uh, I'm. I'm glad that we're going to have it all on a record for the world to hear. <laughs> all right, so five, Michael, you had us at 5-11. and 11. Does that put us at fourth in the AFC North? Uh, definitely. Mark, 6-10, and 10, fourth in the AFC North? Hmm. I mean, who would we be behind? Just, the Ravens are the only team that I think... No, the Bengals could Bengals. be bad. The Bengals could have an awful offensive line this year. The Bengals' offensive line is pretty terrible. It's... It does not look good. And Andy Dalton is notoriously um, bad. the worst quarterback under pressure. I uh, just, I mean, he's just going to be hucking it up to A.J. Green all year. That's true. I mean, I intentionally so, did not take any Bengals offensive skill players. Um, fantasy. For that very reason. Because not I a bad know idea. how bad Andy Dalton is under pressure, and they have zero offensive line now. Yeah. So fourth uh, place yeah, in the North, I, Mark? No, or? I'm going to say we're third. I'm going to say the Bengals are worse than us. I think it's going to be close. I don't think the Bengals are going to be awful. Here's another related question. So we're talking about ticking off all of these different games that we can win throughout the season. We haven't mentioned any of those division games. What is our record in the division of the six division games that we win, that we play? How many of those can we win? I say we go two and four. So who do we beat? 
I said we beat the Bengals once and we beat the Ravens once. We lose the Steelers twice. I I, I think that's fair. I think um, two and four. I think it's in play for sure. I wouldn't be surprised at all. I just think that um, both of those teams, their talent level is better than ours and their experience level is way better than ours. I mean, don't forget, we've got the youngest team in the league again. It's a good thing. I just think it's going to be hard. For, Trust for the process, Sam Hickey. Trust the hey, process. Hey, no, I'm happy. I am happy with the fact that we are making the decisions that we are making. Um, I think two years from now we'll be very pleased with where we're sitting. I just think the results this year, if we win, I'm only expecting us to win one of those those games. Hey, and that's results. and that's fine with me. We're oftentimes only winning one divisional game, but with no optimistic horizon. So this that's is. True. This is I'll, I'll take some crap seasons year after year. Yeah, I'm a I'm a little more bearish on the Baltimore Ravens. I think we're probably tied for last place in the division at six and ten with them. I don't think they go anywhere this year. That's gonna wrap it up for our first edition of the podcast. So tune in next week. We're going to be releasing one of the podcasts uh, right after the game. Um, we'll try to get it out by early early in the week. We would love to be hearing from you guys um, through email um, at sinsofourfathers at gmail.com. Is that right, Matthew? Yeah, that's right. Um, sin of our yeah. fathers. Ah. It's, it's, it's singular. So there, yeah. there's one sin, and that's uh, being a Browns fan. That is true. Why the hell would you do that? One major <laughs> crucial sin yeah singular we're sin all bearing the consequences exactly so uh we'd love to hear from you uh, get any feedback that you have questions uh, if, if we get enough response maybe we'll do some fan mail um if we get some entertaining options it's again it's sin of our fathers at gmail.com or you can find us on twitter at sin of our fathers tweet us tweet us send it out to all your friends go browns Go Browns. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you early next week.